Again, thank you for being here. Welcome. Labor Day Sunday. Um, I'm going to preach two messages, one this week and one next week, that are just kind of a standalone, not attached to a series, but uh, from a couple passages that are my absolute favorite. And and, and thinking about what makes them my favorite, I want to ask this question. What does it take for something to be your favorite whatever? Like, we all have favorite things, right? Right? You got multiple kids. One of them's your favorite. It's good. <laughs> like, what, what's it take to be a favorite? I was thinking about it this week because of this passage I'm going to talk about. And I was thinking back when I was a, a young boy just falling in love with football. I was a little guy watching games on the NFL, and the Raiders quickly became my favorite NFL team. When I was young watching them play, it seemed like back in the day, especially the seven, they were just magical. Like they were always the underdog. Uh, they, they, they were a team of misfits, a team that uh, made up of, of people that mostly nobody else wanted. And it seemed as though they were able to come out with a victory time after time after time. And I, I remember watching just in amazement guys like Stabler and Casper and Bolitnikoff and Branch and Upshaw and, uh, and, and Art Shell and Ray Guy, and Mark Van Egan, and Ben Davidson, and Willie Brown, and Dave Dalby, and all the greats of the Oakland Raiders. And, I, and, and as, a, as a young man, I just took such pride in how they pr- played, their attitude, their grit, and that they just found a way to win. Now, the Raiders of Las Vegas are not really my favorites anymore. <laughs> They're a far cry from the football heroes of the 70s. And if you're talking about my favorites, see, talk about New England Patriots and Tom Brady, they're my least favorite. They've caused me great football grief in the past. But, but in just thinking about like what makes, what made the Raiders my favorite? And, and I think this is the same for every one of us. What makes something our favorite is how it makes us feel. The, there's something, there's a physiological change that happens in us. There's a, there's, there's, there are certain things that create this, this, this chemical change, this chemical balance in us that we associate with a thing. And we say, I like how that makes me feel. That's my favorite. And this happens with everything. I mean, even little babies experience this. They have their favorite toy, their favorite pet, they have their favorite blankie, whatever. This happens with everything. We have our, you, you have your favorite movie. Why? Because probably how it makes you feel. Your favorite book. You have your favorite food, your favorite music. Based on the happiness that you feel inside, you say, that is now my favorite. We all understand that, right? Right? So I want to share with you one of my favorite verses in all the Scripture. Because of how it makes me feel. Ephesians 1, verse 6. According to the good pleasure of His will to the praise of the, glo- of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Now, you might read that and go, okay, wait, what? That just sounds like a conglomeration of words that you would read in the Bible, but I really don't know what it means. Well, it's my favorite because what well, I'm explaining of what it means. Now, my Catholic friends believe that the Virgin Mary was really special and God's favorite, and rightly so. 
I mean, the Bible says as much in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, the Bible says of Mary, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And so the Bible says that Mary was the favorite one. It's pretty clear about that. That word favor is the Greek word charito, from which we get uh, the, the, the word grace. And actually what it means is to honor with blessings and encompassed with grace. And certainly that was Mary. She was honored with the blessings of being the bearer of, uh, of Jesus in the flesh. And she was encompassed with the grace of God to be chosen as such. And so rightly so, my Catholic friends, call Mary the favorite one of God. And up to the point of Jesus' birth, nobody in all the scripture was ever called the favorite of God, as Mary was. Nobody. Now, all others God may have loved, but they were never called the favorite of God until her. And the reason I love, the reason why Ephesians 1.6 is my favorite is because of what it claims about every one of us who believe on Christ in faith. Here's what Ephesians 1.6 literally means. Instead of getting lost in the words, here's what it literally means. To the praise of God's glorious grace, which, uh, with which he has what? Highly favored us in the beloved of Christ. Here's what the verse says. To the praise of God's grace, which he has highly favored everybody who is in faith attached to Christ. That's the same word, highly favored, as was used in Luke 1 of Mary. So here's what this means. And this is why this is my favorite. If you are in Christ by faith, we instantly become the favorite of God, just like Mary. That's a big deal. <laughs> Nobody in all of creation was ever called the favorite one of God until Mary. And then because of Christ, his life, death, resurrection, faith in him instantly puts us on the same plane and level as the favorite of God. We become that. To me, that is profound. That if you have a relationship with God through faith in Christ, you have instantly become the favorite of God. Let that sink in. Now, we identify our favorites by how they make us feel, right? Right? How something makes us feel. That's different on how God chooses his favorites. We have favorites because of how that thing makes us feel. God has favorites because of how powerful Christ is. Not because of how we make God feel. We are not called the favorite of God because we make God feel better. We are not called the favorite of God because somehow we perform in such a way that makes God happy. We are called the favorite of God for one reason, because of how powerful an attachment to Christ is. The truth is this. We can never make God feel better about us. The truth is we can never 
make ourselves more his favorite. You and I cannot do anything to make God uh, more uh, to make us more of God's favorite. It cannot be earned. Being the favorite one of God is only because we have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. Apart from anything we do. Now note. If I can never make myself a favorite of God by what I do, then nothing I do can make me not a favorite of God. Do you understand? So all our striving to make God like us more, all our striving to make God be good to us, all our striving to move God's hand of favor towards us is all in vain apart from a relationship with God through faith in Christ. He has highly favored us in the beloved. It's in Christ that we have become the favorites of God apart from anything we do. The idea that because of what I do for God, God will bless me is called religion. And there's a, a lot of religious people in church. But the fact that it's by faith in Jesus that I'm God's favorite is called relationship. And it's different than religion. This is the difference between living out of religious duty and living the Christian life. When you and I are in Christ by faith, I can never be disowned by God any more than he could disown his own son. God looked at me and looked at his son and took all of my faults and all of my failures and put it on Jesus on the cross. So now, when God sees me, because I have faith in what Jesus did on that cross, he sees me as his favorite. And he sees all my faults and my failures, not on me, but on Christ. So he can look at me as his favorite now. Now, let me press into this whole thing, keep going a little bit with Ephesians 1.6. See if you track. Since in, by faith in Christ, we are now God's favorite. Can we now then sit back and do nothing and still be his favorite? No? Can we live with our hand out expecting God to open up heaven and move on our behalf? Careful. This is how, this is how insidious religion is. We just got done saying that I'm the favorite of God not because of what I've done, but because I have faith in Christ. We just got done saying that. And now we're saying, if we don't perform well, we're no longer the favorite of God. Those two are contradictory. 
See, there's so much of us that's been hardwired to believe that I am one's favorite as long as I dot, 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 right? I'm the boss's favorite as long as I meet the quotas and go above what's expected. I'm the coach's favorite as long as I perform well on the field. I'm a family's favorite. Like, I'm the favorite as long as I... We've been so conditioned, and we've been taught in church for eons that God's love is attached to performance. But the Bible says, if you got a good one, Ephesians 1, 6 is in it, that I'm the favorite of God, not by performance, but by position in Christ. So, can we be in Christ the favorite of God, and sit back and do nothing. You guys are so easily convinced one way or the other. But yeah, technically you could. Because if we're the favorite of God, because of faith in Christ, it requires nothing of performance. So I guess you could. But when you understand how profound it is that God would reach down and choose me and choose, when you understand how profound this truth is, it creates a response by the one who has been favored. Not so that they'll be favored, but because they are favored, it creates this response. Let me put it in terms I think you'll understand. If any of you have a dog that you love and loves you, you'll understand this. If you have a dog, you are that dog's favorite, right? Like it's your, it's your dog. Like you, you, you are, uh, cats aren't the same. They, they could care less about people. But you know, you got a dog, like dogs' hearts are pure. And if you got a pup, you, you, know, you are that dog's favorite. They love you, and they don't see the worst of you. They only know you as the best of you. They don't know what you did last night. They don't care. They, 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 they don't know the promises you've broken. They don't know the stuff you've done. They don't know who you know you to be. They just know you as the best that you ever could be, right? That's how dogs feel about us. In response to that type of love, why would you ever neglect or mistreat that dog? I mean, that love is so pure and profound and, and whole. Like you're not going to not mistreat or neglect because you want to continue to be their favorite. You can mistreat a dog and they'll still be, they'll still think of you as their favorite. You can cuss your dog out. You can even kick it every once in a while. And they'll still be happy to see you when you come home and still think of you as their favorite, like you're the greatest thing in the world, right? Absolutely. And if that's the way your dog feels about why would you ever want to neglect it or mistreat it? Not that you, but why would you want to? So can, with faith in Christ being his favorite, can you sit back and do nothing? Well, yeah, I guess you could. But with that type of love, why would you want to sit back and neglect Christ and do nothing? Do you understand? Okay, now listen. 
This whole idea, the truth of Scripture, blows religion out of the water. And some of you are going to struggle with this because you're religious and it's been ingrained in you. But this blows religion out of the water. Because so many of us think, yeah, I know he loves me and I can be his favorite, but I better not. Yes, he does love you. Yes, yeah, if you got faith in Christ, yes, he's chosen you to be his favorite. And out of response and the realization of that, why would we ever choose to neglect him? Why would we ever make that choice to sit back and do nothing? It doesn't make any sense. If we sit back and do nothing and neglect the relationship, then it just proves we haven't understood the pro, pro, how profound this is. See, if you have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, you've become his favorite. And because you've become his favorite, now it begs the question, if I am his favorite, how do I respond to that? So let me say this. If we have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, we may now be his favorite, but we didn't start out as his favorite. None of us started out to be the favorite of God. None of us. Like you're not born into God's being, being God's favorite. Matter of fact, here's how we're born. Ephesians 2. As for you, y'all were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you, were fought, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Matter of fact, the, the, the actual text says we were actually objects of God's wrath. See, we've not always been God's favorite. At one time, the Bible says we were dead in our sins. That is not the favorite of God. Matter of fact, that word sin is a Greek word harmatia, which means miss the mark. And the Bible says that at one time, we were all dead, missing the mark, continuously. Now, just think about it. You and I can't even live up to our own standards, let alone God's standards. I'm sure we all have standards for ourselves of how we'll respond to people who are idiots and mean, of how we'll uh, treat other people, of how we'll uh, you know, eat and exercise and just who we want to be. We have standards. And we can't even live up to our own standards all the time. Am I right? Yeah. And if we can't even live up to our own standards, how in the world are we ever going to be able to live up to God's standards? And so the Bible's right when he says you were dead in those sins because you were constantly missing the mark, God's mark. We felt self-gratification rather than being God's favorite. We were actually objects of wrath. To be an object of wrath is the opposite of being a favorite. We understand that, right? The Bible says that's who we were. But but a little too hot. We good? Okay. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace, you've been saved, it's by grace you're the favorite of God because of God's love. 
God who is rich in mercy. This is profound. Watch this. To be rich in mercy means to have an abundant supply of goodwill towards the miserable and afflicted. God says, you've not always been my favorite before you came to faith in Christ. At one time, you lived missing the mark, miserable and afflicted. But I had an abundant supply of goodwill towards you. And I wanted you to make you my favorite. He made us alive in Christ by His grace. By what Jesus did on the cross, faith in Him, He made us alive and repositioned us from an object of wrath to the favorite of God. Did any of that have anything to do with what we did? According to the Bible, no. It was simply by His grace. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ. He repositioned us from an object of wrath to the favorite of God in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Nowhere in any of this passage does it have anything to do with what we do to make God choose us and make us his favorite. This passage here says that because of God's grace, he's rich in mercy toward those who have continually missed the mark. He's repositioned us in Christ by faith. And when we're in Christ by faith, we instantly become the favorite one of God. Now, why would God go through all of this hassle? Why wouldn't he let us simply reap what we sowed and we screwed up, uh, screwed up and then he's done with Why would he go through all of this? Why would he say, I'll take all the responsibility for activity. You just have the responsibility for faith. I'll take all the responsibility for doing. Why would he do that? Why would he take someone who continually misses the mark? Why would he take the nastiest of the nasty and reposition them by faith and make them a favorite of him? Why? Do you want to know Why? Well, the Bible tells us right there. In order to show the incomparable riches of his grace. See, here's why. What better way to show the magnitude of grace than by favoring the one who's missed the mark so badly? What better way to show off to all of earth and all of heaven and every demon and devil in hell, the incredible magnitude of God's grace than to make his favorite one, the one who's messed up the most, by faith. See, see here, here's what grace and favor. Grace is all about making God look good. It's not about us deserving it because we do good. Do you understand? The only reason God chooses to favor us as his favorites through faith in Jesus, not because of what we do, just by placing faith in Jesus, is because it shows off his grace and makes him look amazing. What better way to tell the devil and the demons how incredible God's grace is? See, see here's, here's what the devil does. The Bible says that he's the, the accuser of the brethren. That means he stands before God day and night and makes accusations against those that God has chosen to be his favorites. So it looks like this. God says, no, nope, Carl's my favorite. 
He put his faith in my son, work on a cross. Carl is now my favorite, right up there with Mary. And the devil says, are you kidding me? Carl? Let me just remind you, God, of who Carl is. Let me pull out his little history book and tell you what he has done. Remember when Carl, remember when Carl, remember when Carl, remember when Carl. Look, people in his own community don't even like him that much. How can you say he's your favorite? And the great thing about this is, like, the devil doesn't have to make anything up to bring charges against me. Like, I've given him enough ammunition. And God looks at that, and God says, look, devil, here's the thing. I know that you and everybody else would have rejected him because of who he is, but my grace is so profound and so transformative that he is my favorite now. That blows religion out of the water. Because religion would say, oh yeah, no, that's right, I forgot about what he did. Oh no, he doesn't qualify. <laughs> that boy's done. Right? Here's why this is so hard for so many people. Because so many church folk are religious folk. And it's hard for them to accept and internalize what they have not given. And it's hard for them to give what they have not accepted and internalized. And so we want to hold each other accountable. We want to hold stuff against them when they've screwed up. Because we have not understood what God has done for us. That's why this passage is my favorite. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. Not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not by works, not because of what you do, so you can't even brag about it. Like God takes us completely out of the equation. Not only says you don't work to be my favorite, he says you can't claim nothing to be my favorite. He says, I didn't do this because of you. I did this because of my mercy and grace, and it's so profound. We have become the favorite of God, not by what we do, nor by how we make God feel. Actually, we become the favorite of God in spite of what we've done and in spite of how we make God feel. So in light of all of this, now, once objects of God's wrath Chosen because of faith to be his favorite. Now, we're God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. This verse ought to transform and color everything you think and feel about yourself. If you have placed your faith in Christ, you have become instantly God's favorite. And now, having once been an object of wrath, are a handiwork. Now, 
That word handiwork means literally, or, or workmanship, means poem and a work of art. Now, having once been an object of God's wrath, putting your faith in Jesus, instantly becoming a favorite of God, now, having once been an object of wrath, gratifying only the selfish desires of the flesh, now, having once been an object of wrath, now transformed into a work of art. When God went through, when we read the story of creation all through the book of Genesis, after, after God created something, he said, and God said, it is good. Now, he did that every day except day two. Day two, he didn't pronounce anything good. On day three, he pronounced two goods. And that's actually why, why uh, like Orthodox Jews get married on Tuesday, the third day of the week, because they got a double blessing. So it's pronounced good twice. And so they figure if I get married on Tuesday, I get a double blessing on my marriage. Just a little, little historical tribute for you there. But after all this creation, God pronounced it good. What in the Hebrew, what did that word good mean? What does good mean? Good. Good means good. Like, like it, it, we can't define a word by itself. Like, what does it mean? Benevolent? It means good quality? It's not going to break down so fast? Good, not great. In the Hebrew, when God pronounced it good, it literally meant beautiful. As his handiwork, a work of art. So get this. So now, having once been an object of God's wrath, my faith now is in Jesus. I instantly become the favorite of God. And now I have been transformed into a work of art. Beautiful. I don't care how y'all feel about me. God has chosen me to be his favorite. And now I, no matter how you feel about me, am a work of art by his hand. But that is some good news. There's nothing else in all culture or society that will tell you the same. Matter of fact, everything else in this culture will tell you the exact opposite. That you're not good enough. You're not chosen. You're not beautiful. Sure, Ephesians 1 6 is such a favorite. In light of God's choosing, through faith in Christ, we become a beautiful work of art. See, because of, I understand how profound this is, I respond in good works that God created for me to do that he created good works for me to do in advance. Because I get it. Because I get it about God's favoring me. Because I get it that I didn't do anything to deserve his favor. Because I get it. I'll respond in the good way. How could I choose to neglect it? If he loves me this profoundly, if he's chosen me this profoundly, how could I live in neglect of it? 
So I respond to good works, not because I have to. I respond to good works, not because that's how I get God's hand to move on my behalf. Simply because I respond, simply because I understand. This is my response to how good God is. See, I understand that I am the highly favored one in the beloved because of my faith in Jesus. That I was once one who was an object to God's wrath. But he's repositioned me from one who was once miserable, from one who was once afflicted, from one who continually missed the mark, from one who was far from God's favorite. He's repositioned me to being in Christ, and he's repositioned me to being now God's favorite. See, this changes everything. When I understand the relentless love of God, and when I understand the relentless grace of God, it changes how I view myself in the world, and it changes how I walk in this world, and it changes how I view both this life and eternity to come. See, for those who are the favorite of God, and who understand this, there's great joy in being the favorite of God. There's great beauty in being one of God's favorites. There's great confidence when you walk around knowing you are the favorite one of God. There's great grace in being the one who has been favored by God. See, the favorite of God no longer will be owned by addiction, and the favorite of God will no longer be possessed by the past, and the favorite of God will no longer be one who holds on to the pains of the past and the grudges of other people. See, it's the favorite of God that has great love for other people. And it's the favorite of God that shows great grace to us because they understand what it is to be chosen by Him. It's the favorite of God, get this, that has nothing to prove and no one to impress. Understand this. So much of our lives are lived trying to prove to other people that we matter, that we're important, that we're good, that we're deserving of love, we're deserving. So much of our lives is, is, is spent trying to prove to other people that I matter. So much of our lives are spent trying to impress somebody. Maybe if I'm impressive enough, they'll value me. Maybe if I'm impressive enough, they'll care about me. Maybe if I'm impressive enough, and when you understand that by faith in Christ, you are now instantly the favorite of God, you live with nothing to prove and no one to impress because after all, God's chosen you as his faith. Boy, there's such freedom and liberation in this. Nothing to prove, no one to impress. It's interesting when I live as a favorite of God with nothing to prove and no one to impress it's real hard to offend me what are you going to do I'm God's favorite <laughs> I don't have to live to impress you how are you going to offend me I got nothing to prove to you are you going to offend me? And then, when we get this, 
John 10, 10 starts to actually live inside of us. I've come that you might have life in all its fullness now. Friends, this is the wholeness of Christ. This is the beauty of life in him. Why would anyone put off living in this relationship? Become the favorite of God. I want you to pray with me. Father, thank you that you've chosen us to be yours. Oh, goodness, God. Thank you that you've not asked us to earn anything. Thank you that you've done all the work. Father, some of us here have tried year after year to be good enough to earn your favor, to be good enough. Forgive us for where we let religion creep in. Thought we could actually do something to merit your hand. Father, in authenticity and openness, we come before you today. Hear hear our prayer, hear our heart. Some of you, I'm going to give you a chance to become God's favorite right now. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, if you've strived and strived to try to be good and be religious and be right, I'm going to invite you just to come to faith in Christ in simplicity and honesty. And in this moment, say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I missed the mark continually. I ask your forgiveness. This morning, I'm placing my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross. I want to be your favorite. Father, I pray for us that you would impress upon us what it is to be favored by you. And I pray that you would encourage us in this moment that because of what you've done, because you have favored us, We don't have to do anything. But I pray, Father, that out of response for what you've done, we would desire to do everything. Jesus, we love you. Help us to love you more and to respond to you and your choosing of us. Free us from the law of duty and set us free to live in the abundance of your grace. And for that, Father, we'll give you thanks. You are such a good God. Thank you for choosing us. In your name I pray, amen. Just sing a little bit.